The Brewers Association and Craft Beer Radio present Savor 2014, an American craft beer and food experience from Washington, D.C. This recording was from Friday, May 9th. Private Tasting Salon, pushing the boundary with barrel-aged beers, featuring Mike Lewinsky and Jeff Griffith from Fate Brewing Company. All right, welcome. Why don't we get started? Um, so, welcome to Pushing the Boundary with Barrel Age Beers. Um, I think this is going to be a great session. Uh, we got Mike Lewinsky and Jeff Griffith from Fate Brewing Company. Uh, we're going to be pouring some great barrel aged beers. Before I kick it off to them, just a few introductory uh, things. This is the seventh year of Savor, um, an American craft beer and food experience, which is put on the, by the Brewers Association. We're the trade organization that represents small and independent craft brewers around the country. And, um, you're at one of the salons, which I think is one of the coolest parts of this, where um, you get to interact up close uh, with brewers, hear their stories, hear a little bit more about their beers. Um, thanks to Spiegelau, who's the sponsor of this room. Um, you all got nice glassware to go along with it. A um, couple of notes about the session. Um, please wait to enjoy the beers that you were served um, until um, the speakers have prompted you to taste them. Uh, that way you don't burn through them too fast when they're talking about them. Um, Secondly, questions are welcome, but please hold questions till the end of talking about beers. So there'll be an opportunity after each beer to ask questions of the speakers. Um, and then finally, each of these salons is being recorded by craftbeer.com so that the information here can get spread around to other people. So um, if you do have a question, hold the hand. I'll dash over to you, and I'll get the mic in front of you so that, that your excellent questions get on the microphone. And with that, I'll kick it over to Mike and Jeff. How you doing? Uh, I'm Mike, in case uh, that wasn't clear in the beginning. Um, so, barrel-aged beer, why are we here? Um, I'm sure everybody here has had a barrel-aged beer, uh, and uh, there are a lot of salons about barrel-aged beer. So how dare a brewery that's pretty new give a forum about barrel-aged beer, right? Uh, so really what we wanted to design is um, show our brewery and how we do things a little bit differently. Uh, like most breweries, we have a lot of core styles. Has anybody been to our booth on the floor yet? Couple. Okay. So um, it's got another beer that is very much part of this uh, session and these conversations that we'll have up front. And so uh, we're not showing it here because it's on the floor. So do follow up this salon with, with going to our booth because it's pretty special. Um, but what we're doing that we feel is a little different and, and worth highlighting here uh, amongst other barrel aging salons is, is aging in different kind of wood. And uh, most of what you see barrel aged it's somewhat becoming synonymous to whiskey barrels, and, and I think you've seen some rye barrels become more common and, and maybe some other types of wood. And uh, what happened, and, and not really by intention or design, but what happened a little bit like all great things in life, by accident, we just happened to, to fall into a pretty significant barrel aging program when we were really young. And, and um, it, was, it was kind of... Uh, by design and, and procurement, but we did a lot of stuff with tequila that we thought tequila barrels might be something that you know you're not finding on the market that would be good education and conversation in here. And so what we really designed, and what Jeff will talk about, because who wants to hear from the owner anyway? Uh, they want to hear from the brewer. Is is kind of the nuances and the differences in. Uh, all these barrels that we're showing. So if you look down your list and what we've done today, we are, we're showing a couple tequila barrel-aged stuff, 
Um, our a, a Burton style ale that we use fresh char uh, oak. It's, it's American white oak with fresh char. So it's basically the, the barrels that are used to make bourbon versus bourbon barrels making beer. Um, and then we lined up side by side the same beer on two different types of wood. And so really this is not just barrel aging, but it's more of a wood class. And hopefully by the end of it, our palates will uh, be able to really see what the different types of woods and what the precursor to our beer, uh, how that affected all of the flavors. I thought it might be good. I have a mixology background. So I dealt with spirits for a long time, and I know we're in a beer world, but it would, I thought it might be great to kind of talk about, uh, in, in brief, but talk about how wood really affects things. So uh, when you study spirits, you learn really quickly that anything aged in wood has a mellowing effect. Uh, a great way to, to, to start that introduction on what wood does to anything. So with spirits, anybody here taste any white spirits? Not vodka, but we say white spirits. It's like uh, moonshine, basically, but we call it white dog, the precursor to whiskey and everything else. So those of you who have know that wood really has a great effect on whatever's in it. Uh, and, and it's really a cool process to see the, the before and the after and kind of wonder what happens in the during. So we view beers that we put on wood as this living organism. And it's really been a, a, a fun challenge for both Jeff and I to um, take samples from these barrels and really like the product and decide whether one more day might enhance that or uh, for the better or if today's the day that uh, today is the day that uh, achieves the taste that we're going for. So um, we thought that kind of with what we do with tequila and, and our um, saver beer is actually a uh, German sour wheat. It's a Goza beer with salt and coriander and it's aged on tequila barrels. So that shows you another kind of tequila barrel taste. And um, what, we walk, what Jeff will walk you through from here forward is uh, just kind of pretty special to the barrel world. Um, and we, we uh, in, in many cases, our guests and customers, Jeff and I might have been the only people to taste some of these beers because they have not been released before now. So we felt like this was a great forum to bring those forward and, and chat a little bit more about wood. And so um, really, when you taste through these things, notice kind of the mellowing effect uh, bring yourself to what maybe the base beer would have been or, or, or could have been. And um, really, we're going to try and walk through the nuances of, of what the wood added to the beer and changed. Um, yeah, um, making barrel-aged beers is, is really simple. You put beer in a barrel. Um, Mike just touched on the point that the difficult part, the part that makes it special is deciding when it's time to get it off the barrel when you get the flavors that you're looking for. Um, and that's what we've been playing around with here for a few months. And we are gonna start out with the um, Tequila Barrel Age Triple. So I'm, I'm kinda here to kinda talk you through the beers and tell you uh, the backstory on this. Um, this triple was a collaboration beer that we brewed with uh, John Egan from Mission Brewery out of San Diego. Um, they came to our place and, and brewed, we had a great day. Um, our, our, um, the beer we decided to do was this triple, but we wanted to uh, switch it up a little bit. So we did it with all um, Australian and New Zealand hops. 
So it's got the fruity and the tropical characteristics of those new age hops. Um, specifically, uh, the Rakao, Nelson Savin, Motueka, and Galaxy hops. Um, so yeah, it's a straightforward triple. It's sitting at about 9.5% ABV. Um, this one was aged for, let's see, about three months in an Arda tequila barrel. And when everyone gets a glass, I would say give it a try. And I'd love to hear some, some thoughts on it. Is oh, okay. <laughs> the uh, the tequila barrel and this one is really quite subtle. Um, it's really in the finish. There's you're not getting a tequila blast at all. I don't think. Um, it's just a really soft. It um, it softens this beer. It's a it's the beer itself is really good. It's got the the tropical fruity notes, but you the the. This barrel kind of rounds this beer up a little bit and uh, really softens it. Um, I was having, I was just tasting it here before. I was like, did I uh, bottle from the right keg? Because uh, um, the barrel is really, really subtle in this one. It's really in the back. You have anything with that? Yeah. So the base beer on this triple, uh, because we used a different sort of hop set, comes across really citrus. And you can find that a commonality in all the barrel-aged beers that we've put in tequila, kind of our citrus forward. So one of our favorite, um, you know, we feel like we have a citrus forward IPA and we love using kind of citrus forward hops. And so um, really, if you think about what do we use tequila for a lot, it's margaritas. And so the backbone of margaritas besides the tequila is really a citrus. So uh, we, we kind of aim for citrus forward beer and you can see uh, in not having the base beer this is quite lighter so the wood has added a little character in that it's mellowed that citrus out a little bit and you start to subtly and uh, there's an intention in this subtle um, we feel like with delicate beers too and you'll notice this on the floor we look for it to add a little complexity and the challenge with barrel aging is if you leave it in there longer uh, that's in danger. And so because of the subtleness of, of the triple style and the, and the yeast that you need to add character to that beer, um, you get a slight smoke, a little bit of woodiness, uh, kind of pairing with those citrus style hops and still that be Belgian character of the yeast. So um, we're starting you here because a lot of IBUs behind you, uh, knowing that this beer is a little more delicate, we uh, needed you to taste it first. Yes. Um, so just a quick question. I don't know if I'm the only one detecting it, but there's like, oh, there's a slight butteriness to this. And, um, and it's almost, um, it almost reminds me of a Chardonnay. So I'm wondering if that's coming from the oak. So, um, sorry, I'm going to use the mixology background of, of the, uh, 
uh, of wood to answer that. So um, typical tasting notes from a, any sort of charred barrel or any sort of previous spirit barrel is you get a lot of caramel, uh, caramelized sugars. We could say butterscotch, caramel, vanilla. Uh, I think you find a lot of vanilla in that goza that's on the floor. And um, it, it's a really true characteristic of any sort. Um, and, and so really, a lot of times... Part of the reason we put the seminar together is because barrel aging and porter and barrel aging and stout have become really kind of common language and, and synonymous. And so in those, you get vanilla or a little butterscotch or something like that in a porter, and it feels really natural. And, and, and you could even question whether it's the barrel or kind of the, the recipe that the brewer put together. Um, but the intention behind barrel aging with lighter beers, you're really going to get that character, and it's going to speak to you a little stronger uh, in, in that sort of marriage between the wood flavors and, and not. And so to continue on the characteristics you get from a barrel, um, and uh, I, I actually used to teach a lot of spirits class. So what we would say in, um, in talking about tequila and what you should look for between a silver and an añejo is a lot of um, those caramelized sugars, the smokes, oaks, the uh, earthy flavors, so leather and uh, tobacco. And so those are little nuances that obviously a tequila barrel is going to lend itself to those beers. And so, um, yeah, there absolutely is uh, that type of character from the uh, barrel. And you can notice, too, that um, with that we will, uh, going further, because that's what the barrel is choosing to add, um, it, it can be, it, 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 could, it can meet the threshold of being overpowering, if that makes sense. And so um, that's why it's always a fun experiment to, to go in and um, watch that journey of barrel aging so we can taste things and, and um, wonder, yeah, maybe another day is a little too much vanilla or maybe another day is a little too much smoke. Do you have anything to add to that? Uh, I don't. Does anybody have any other questions? I'm here to answer questions, so yes. So did you brew this first outside of the barrel and say, now this is a beer we need to put in a barrel, or did you just say, we're going to start that way? Um, no, it was brewed separately, um, and during the uh, fermentation, uh, we got some barrels, and it was like, hey, let's put some of this in a barrel, and let's see what happens. Uh, we do that with a lot of our beers. Uh, we put... Not a lot of non-traditional beers in the barrels and just see what comes out of them and um, we've had some good results so far. But so no, no, this is all secondary, uh, firm, uh, secondary conditioning. The beer is, it's finished beer. It's, it's in there just sitting on wood for a while. So you had the flavor profile first. The flavor profile is there, yes, yeah. right. The, the wood, it's, it's not like a lambic where you're doing all your fermentation in a barrel, right. Yes. Um, that may be a typo, because um, the yeah it was age it's Agent Arda tequila Only barrels. Tequila barrel. Yes. Have you ever heard of anyone doing it in two different types of barrels, like move it from a tequila barrel to a bourbon barrel and see what you get? The uh, this beer particular beer? No, just in general. Well, we have one tonight that we oh, cool. we have one in a tequila barrel and one in a in a bourbon barrel, so we get to say but try the same same batch. Right? Same, same, same batch. Yeah. Batch of beer in two, in two different barrels. barrels. Yeah, we're gonna try we're gonna try those now. But not the same batch into two barrels. Not, not secondary and then like move it from. No, no, it's just it's finished beer, but it's two separate barrels. So it's two different flavor profiles you're gonna 
you're going to pick up from the different barrels. Any other questions before we, yes? How are you uh, prepping the barrels? Um, typically, we get these barrels fairly fresh, so um, I, I'm okay with going right into them. Uh, in between, I will, if it's going to be empty for a while, uh, I use some uh, potassium metabisulfite and just let it sit in there, and then when you're done, drain it and rinse it, and then barrel's fairly ready to go again. You're going to have that wood. You may not have same, some of the same initial um, spirit character that was in there, but you're still going to get that wood character. It's still in there. It's deep in that wood, so Yes. Yes. This um, this one was about three months. Oh, okay. The one the one at the table the the Goza beer it was about a ten week in the tequila barrel. I was just kind of curious as to the time frame. When do you start to see a very distinct difference in a flavor profile, or when is like what's the period of like what do you expect for a normal aging? It's tough because I mean you can tell a difference after two days, and it's like wow, this wow. really tastes good. But you know it's gonna it's gonna change. You're just getting that initial shock of you know the, the wood and you know if it's if it's a fresh barrel that you know just was recently emptied, you're gonna get that initial uh, liquor flavor that's gonna enhance it too. But if you give it more time, it's gonna settle out and the wood's gonna start taking over, softening the beer. Um, so that's kind of what we're waiting for. Because initially, right out of the right out of the barrel, it's like wow, this is really good now. So, but that's that's the uh, the big trick to these beers is deciding when you think the time is right to pull it. Any other questions? All right, so um, we're going to go from tequila barrel to tequila barrel. Um, and this one is our tequila barrel aged Atropos Imperial IPA. So this is a um, one, of, one of our fairly regular beers that we have on tap. Um, Another, another nice, big 9.5% beer for you all to uh, try. <laughs> you come down to sea level from, you know, I'm good all night, so. Um, I know. I the average that. American craft beer style on the market is 5.9%. The average? Yeah. Is 5.8? 5 5.9. That's a pretty. That's a pretty big average. So this is a uh, a fairly you know traditional IPA, imperial IPA as far as the grain bill goes. The hops that we use on this one are uh, Summit, Chinook, Cascade, and Eldorado. Um, so you have a lot of your American hops in there, a lot of your citrus forward. The Eldorado is the one um, kind of wild card hop that um, we use that. It is an American style with citrus, but it also has a nice kind of a watermelon, melony, hard candy kind of a flavor. Kind of gives it a distinctness. Um, and this one was in another Arda tequila barrel also. So uh, enjoy and savor that one for a little bit. All right, we want to talk about the process of uh, barrel aging. Uh, again, I'm going to use a spirits perspective, but um, 
really the, the true design of a barrel, and let's play with bourbon for a while, um, is that there's an interaction with the wood. And so if you think about bourbon, it's from Kentucky. This is why we're using it as an example, because it's a good one. Um, and they store it in, in big warehouses, multiple stories high, um, vast and wide, some by windows, some in the interior. And, and we're going to bring some things that we know about uh, just heating and cooling to that. So things by the window on the top floor of the warehouse might be hotter than in the center in the basement. Um, and so when you make a bourbon, you have uh, kind of all these flavors, and, and most bourbons are small batch, so they'll take 12 to 15 barrels and, and blend them together for a certain taste that they're going for. Uh, but we say all that because it's this interaction with the wood, and then the same thing happens with beer. So we bring in these barrels, and they're kind of uh, tainted with flavors of tequila or flavors of bourbon. So that lends a hand uh, in addition to the wood components that are still there and the char and, and all of those flavors. So really that interaction is, becomes very specific to the beer and, and uh, the type of beer that's in that barrel, whether it's, it's kind of delicate and, and uh, interacted quickly. Um, Jeff mentioned that the Goza was a pretty short time in the tequila barrels. Those tequila barrels came to us really wet um, and so, you know, you do a, a, a rinse for sanitation, but they have a lot of tequila embedded into that wood. Because after all those interactions back and forth for several years in some cases with bourbon and tequila, um, those, the wood is really impregnated with uh, those tequila or bourbon flavors or, or whatever sp spirit uh, is the precursor. And so um, I, I think... With this IPA specifically, and, and it's too bad we don't have two glasses, but um, kind of keep these notes in your head because we'll go bourbon after that. There's a lot of wood characters that will be similar to uh, what we try next, but tequila leaves an imprint uh, lending this, I think, a little more citrus, a little more earth. What we know about tequila is um, agave is kind of the base um, sugar, um, big plant from the lily family, and so this adds a little bit of that uh, earthiness of that kind of uh, if we, those who know tequila well can, can kind of recognize its fingerprint on it. And so um, even though it's a big beer and it's got a lot of citrus notes uh, forward, we see a kind of a good marriage between what wood character and tequila character can, can add to it. Can I answer any questions on this beer? Yes, sir. Yes. A uh, question on you mentioned the, uh, you know, how long bourbon, you know, will be aged in, you know, in a warehouse with the different temperatures and everything. Hmm. When you age the beer, what, what's the warehouse like where you're aging the beer? Our warehouse, I would say, is pretty much the same temperature. We have a really small space that these are in, and they're sitting at pretty much room temperature. It's going to be 70 degrees. Um, so, yeah, not a lot of temperature fluctuations as far as... The, you know, the, the porous wood, you know, letting more in or out, it's going to be fairly, fairly constant as far as, you know, how much penetration the, the beer actually makes into the barrel. What's up? Oh, yeah, on brew days, it'll warm up a little bit in the, in the brewery, but typically, uh, for, for the most part, it's going to be a constant 70, 74 degrees maybe in there, so, Yes. Uh, we take what comes because typically we get them freshly emptied, so they're on our doorstep one or two days after they're empty. So they're 
pretty much ready to go. And uh, I don't have too many concerns. I would have more of a concern of a barrel that sat dry for a long time as opposed to a, a wet barrel still. Mike, I'm gonna let you. Uh, Mike, Mike is the uh, spirits expert here. <laughs> so um, that's a great question. There are absolutely different barrels. Um, we would just barrels in general are pretty hard to procure, um, especially as barrel aging becomes more and more popular. Uh, I, I think one of the big reasons you don't see a lot of tequila beers is because there's not a lot of tequila barrels out there. So a little bit of that is just, hey, we'll take what we get. Um, really only two types of tequila are, are aged in wood, Reposado and Añejo. But the longer that those barrels sit with those spirits, the more um, impressionable that spirit becomes with the beer, if that makes sense. So um, side note, Jeff and I actually uh, met. He was working at a brewery. I was working at a beer bar. And we built this relationship, and, and um, anybody who knows a lot about whiskey will really appreciate this a, a little more. But um, we, the, the bar that I worked was able to buy an entire barrel of Pappy Van Winkle. Um, it was 17 years old, so they don't even have that product. They have this 15-year-old uh, whiskey that they put a label on and put on a shelf, and they have an 18-year-old whiskey that they... So, um, but because we got bought the entire barrel, we knew the date it was filled and, and all of that, and we got a special label, and, and we got the wood. And so being uh, kind of beer whiskey bar uh, and, and um, working with Jeff on a different level when he was uh, brewing at a different place, um, we, we partnered with Jeff for him to um, brew a special beer and put it in the barrel. And so you can imagine if a whiskey, which uh, a lot of these new distilleries are turning out whiskey kind of every two years on average, but a 17-year-old barrel has a lot more of that whiskey character to lend itself towards the beer than, uh, than the two-year-old barrel. And so that factors our aging process a little bit uh, because in some cases you can get the same, a similar taste with, with a shorter interaction because there's so much more whiskey in those barrels. Um, but in other cases, you might have to, uh, because there's not as much whiskey, to, depending on what flavors you're going for, have to uh, have a, a little more interaction with, with uh, those that would. Um, I, I remember somebody asked a question about kind of typical average target, and, and really in the industry, they would say 90 to 120 days. Um, but depending on the condition of the barrel and what was in it previously and how long it was there, it really sways that time meter a lot. Yes. Well, I, I'm not really making beers per se just to put in a barrel. If we happen to have a barrel, then... Uh, you know, we'll put something in it. Um, but yeah, we're not, I think Goza was the first beer that we actually, the intent was to put this in a barrel. Um, the other ones were just, let's get something in a barrel and see what comes out of it. We had some ideas, you know, with the, what you're drinking right now and um, some other ones. But then we have, you know, like a German rye beer in a barrel and we have a watermelon coal sitting in a barrel. Um, we got all these kind of different really strange, different beers you may not think would work in a barrel, and 
you know, we'll see what happens. But um, typically, we, we don't brew just to fill a barrel, except for the Goza beer, which you can have down on the, uh, on the floor tonight. And to spin that question a little bit, I, I've heard it asked before, do you, do you, um, does a barrel come and you choose a beer to go in it, or do you design a beer around a barrel? And in this case, with us specifically, we've done both. Um, but I think it's the rarer opportunity to really have a beer that's calling for a certain barrel. And um, I think that's why we thought the uh, Tequila Age Goza, um, or the putting the Goza the in the barrel was, was really much of that. And so yeah. so we, had, we had a salty, sour German wheat beer, and we were sitting around one day, and we thought, well, this is so close to being a margarita. All we need is some tequila. So what if we put this beer in a tequila barrel and, you know, what, it came out really great. So we're happy with that one. Yes? So kind of two questions. How often or how many times will you reuse your barrel before you kind of feel like that's the lifespan of the barrel? Um, we haven't really got there yet. We're on a lot of second fills right now. Um, I think as long as you keep a barrel fairly, you know, clean and... Um, it's going to be, you're going to get more and more, you're going to get less and less of the original character from it, but you're still going to get that wood. So it depends on what you're going for. If you're just looking for something to put um, beer on wood, um, as long as you're taking good care of it, making sure it's sanitary and you're not going to contaminate everything you put in there, um, you can use it for as long as, you know, you can keep it uh, sanitary. And then my second question is kind of, you're referencing like getting a barrel that's kind of wet. Um, is there ever actual liquid in the bottom and do you maintain that liquid in yeah, yeah no. that's oh, you or me. I was gonna say that's called. Uh, <laughs> isn't that called the angel share? It's, uh, it's actually called the de the devil's cut. Oh, the devil's um, cut. That's what. It is. <laughs> no joke. There's a process that um, actually nothing was really on the market. Jim Beam started doing this. They have a product out there that's called Devil's Cut, and um, the process is is uh, industry. Uh, spoken of as uh, sweating the barrels. So uh, they'll pull all of the liquid out. And, you know, you can always kind of like emptying this glass and rinsing it. You're trying to get all the water out and you tilt it forward and then there's a little bit more water. So you can never really get all of it, but there's a ton of liquid that is in the barrels. So sweating the barrels, they add a little liquid and, and kind of move them around. And then they've, they've found that there's a lot, they get a really high proof yield out of it. And that's called the devil's cut. And historically speaking, uh, whenever you age spirits, things evaporate over time, 15 years, something like that. That's the and and the evaporation is called the angel share. So uh, a, a distiller might say, uh, okay, it evaporated, it disappeared, it's, it's lowering my yield. That's, the, uh, that's what the angels took. And the stuff that's soaked into the barrels uh, reciprocally is called the devil's cut. And so uh, when we do get barrels, yeah, they're wet. Um, Sometimes you can get barrels that have not had any liquid in them for a year or something like that. And there's still characters inside the wood, but really you get a lot of boldness. And really, I think, um, from a brewer's perspective, the, uh, the fresher the barrel or the most recently that you can get that from, from being emptied, the better. Because you can actually get more generations out of it. So we were really excited because when you try our floor beer, uh, I think you'll agree that the, the character of the tequila really speaks into that beer and, and um, you know, hopefully appropriately was, was cut off and, and taken out and, and put into a bottle. Um, and because that uh, barrel had recently been emptied, I, I think we'll actually get a little, a couple more uses out of it. 
Um, industry standard would probably be two to three. If you can sneak three uh, ages out of, out of uh, wood, it really starts to lose its character and just become a vessel. Um, and so, uh, and time-wise, the, the, the further the generation, the longer it takes to age. So our, our big expectation, we refilled those Arda tequila barrels with Goza again, and our expectation is that in order to achieve a similar flavor, because I don't think it'll, it, it would ever be identical, uh, in order to ch uh, achieve this similar flavor, it's probably going to take longer because we, we sapped a lot of that tequila out of there the first time. Yeah, the, the, the first one was 10 weeks, and the current one, the second fills, um, they're going on three months now. And, I mean, they're, they're getting there, but it definitely did not pick up as, as quickly. Um, so, yeah, and as, as home brewers, if you're going to invest in a barrel, definitely, you know, take care of it and use it as much as you can. And there's also techniques where if you're really into being a cooper, you could, uh, you know, take those barrels apart, scrape the wood and, you know, expose some fresh wood and, and kind of revitalize the barrel also. But yeah, uh, for, for our purposes, you know, typically we're going to go maybe two to three and then we're not getting the same thing that we want out of it. Or just either that or just give it to a home brewer, let them use it for a while and get some new ones in her. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of people do choose to, um, I think what's called sour the barrel at that point too, because it's not lending any flavors from the wood or the previous just spirit. Just inoculate it and you gotta, you know, you're gonna have those little bugs that'll live in that wood forever. And if, you know, you have a, a sour barrel, so. Any other questions before we move on? Yes, go ahead. One, one quick question. Have you run across any yeast strains that are better or, you know, really not good for um, aging on wood, for example, you know, like bread or hefeweizen or something like that? Like, is there something that's not? I'm trying to, um, I mean, most of the yeast strains I've used are just, you know, your basic um, 001, your California L yeast. Um, I, I, um, have some lagers that I've done on wood, a Baltic porter. Um, I, I don't think it makes a difference. Because um, the, the yeast is going to affect, it's going to give the flavor components to the beer, or, or not at all if it's a neutral yeast. Uh, the wood's going to affect the entire, the beer itself. So uh, the yeast don't really affect the barrel flavors, I don't think. Yeah, I did the lager in the tank, and then I put the lager into the barrel, so, yes. Any other questions? Okay. Well, fellow Boulderite, um, I was curious, I mean, you know, with all the, the new distilleries in, in, in Colorado, I mean, do you ever go back and forth with distilleries on some of the new spirits that they're, that they're, that they're producing and, you know, swap back and forth, and I mean, how would, would something like that work out? You just said that they were, you know, hard to find, but, you know, there's all these new distilleries, so I was just curious about that. There are, um, I'll let Mike talk about this in a second, but it just seems like um, barrels are getting really hard to find, especially local ones. Um, they're kind of seem like they're claimed already. Um, you kind of have to like get in line and then wait your turn to get one of those. Um, we happened to got to just get um, four Leopold Brothers peach whiskey barrels from uh, uh, New Belgium. So um, I'm pretty happy about that because it actually had some New Belgium bugs in it, and uh, 
I put a, a big Belgian quad in it and let it sit for a couple of years and see what comes out of there. And um, but Leopold Brothers is a local one that you know we would love to get some our hands on, but um, they're kind of spoken for in a lot of ways as far as barrels go. You want to speak to that? Yeah, sure. I think Jeff kind of nailed it, but um, barrel age beers as they gain popularity more and more people are trying to do them and and so it's it's harder and harder to get a barrel um being a big whiskey but buyer for a while uh, i could see from year to year things would change because we were always trying to beer whiskey bar right so we were always trying to w use our whiskey powers to to procure uh oh, like old old wood so that we can give it to uh breweries we wanted to work with and they would age beer on them and and that got more and more challenging to the point where you know when we opened two years ago i kind of tried to lean on those relationships and they were like no you have to buy all the contents now before you get the before you get the wood so yes oh yes so uh third beer's out and this is oh, the okay. this is the same yours is right here okay. this is the same beer on a different barrel so I think immediately off the nose, we've been in the tequila world, immediately off the nose, you see what the bourbon lends to the same beer. Um, and and uh, there was a big intention of putting these side by side so that we could really see the power of the two different barrels. So I'll let Jeff pick up from there. Well, uh, it's the same beer. Um, but as you can probably tell, the 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 the, uh, the bourbon barrel is much bolder than the uh, tequila. Um, that's pretty much what I have on this one for now. I, I think you get a lot more uh, of those caramelized sugar flavors coming through um, in maybe a little bit of a darker way as well. So when I say darker, uh, I mean more of the uh, kind of molasses, yeah, it is butterscotch. sweeter. Mm -hmm. um, it's a little bit sweeter. Bourbon's a much sweeter of a spirit. When the last beer that we tasted, a, a lot of that citrus and floral was still um, kind of punching you in the face. This one really lends itself towards the sweetness of the beer and, and um, those caramelized sugars and, and uh, a, a little bit of that oak speaks out. And uh, just one thing about the, uh, the actual barrels that these were in is... And Mike, correct me if I'm wrong here, but um, tequila barrels and bourbon barrels are both, they're all, they're charred barrels. So um, they're pretty much the same type of a barrel as far as the process used to give that inside flavor. But the product that's in there that comes out of it really is quite different as far as what we're getting from that barrel. Yeah, a lot of times tequila barrels are... Um uh, immediate, they, they tend to borrow barrels from, uh, so a lot of the barrels that brewers want these days are going to tequilerias because they want, um, a lot of them use previous bourbon barrels to age their spirits and then release them to us. So actually, technically, the Arta barrels were bourbon barrels first, and then they used um, two generations of tequila through there. And then, then we got them. So, um, you know, technically speaking, there's a little bit of bourbon still in that barrel that, that Arta lends on. Um, barrels just in general, um, I, I know everybody's heard the saying that a lot of great things in America happen by accident. So way back in the day, they used to, barrels were just a storage vessel. So back when they were shipping bourbon from New Orleans or from Kentucky to New Orleans, they would just need to put it in a barrel 
in, in order to transport it. And so a lot of times that barrel held dried fish or nails or anything like that. And so they would get the whiskey in New Orleans and say, this is, tastes fishy, literally. And um, so born was the practice of charring the inside of the barrel because it was just merely trying to get rid of the previous flavors that were in there. Um, a lot of legislation, we're in Washington, let's talk politics. So a lot of legislation happened around bourbon by law, um, specifically that we had to use new American oak. And that was to drive the, uh, the lumber industry. Now we're all scared of cutting down trees these days, but back when that was jobs and, uh, and creating more of an economy, that was important. So by law today still, bourbon needs to be made out of chard, and we know where we got the chard, new, meaning brand new, once used barrels, you can't use them twice, American oak. So we can't use Canadian oak, French oak, any of that. And so um, I, I think that's an appropriate story for Washington. Yeah, that's kind of, a, I think, a, a reason that um, barrel-aged beers came about was because of the one use only for bourbon barrels with the, um, excuse me, with the craft beer movement. Um, these uh, distillers figured out a way to recoup a little bit of their money on their barrels. So um, there you have it. Yes? Do, uh, do you guys have a blending program? Do you get tempted to, to blend? Do you try to do that? Um, we do um, have a small blending program. Um, this what you're, what you're tasting right here is actually straight out of the barrel. Um, the version that we are bottling this last week, we uh, blended back with some uh, straight regular Imperial IPA. Um, I basically, I think we did it one part to eleven parts, just blend back some of the original beer in it because. We just wanted to cut back on some of the, get some of the original flavors back in, but um, yeah, we're not. It's not a super big blending project just yet, but um, we're we're moving in that direction where we seem it needs to be. Wasn't it in the in the last fifteen twenty years that beers were first only able to legally be aged in in bourbon barrels? Was wasn't there a change that took place? I guess that allow that to happen before I, I, I don't know anything about that okay have you heard about no but um, knowing the history of some other uh, beers stored in wood vessels uh, you know I don't know if that would be specific to bourbon or, or the United States but the next beer we're actually going to try is is a burden style ale which historically was uh, one part stored on wood and one part like kind of new beer and so um, it, it beer in Barrels is not a new thing whatsoever. You know, before our manufacturing days, beer used to do uh, kind of the spice trade route and, and be stored in a barrel for a long time. So um, I think in, in, in many cases they liked what they saw at the end of their journey, and in some cases they said, don't do that again. But we, um, I don't know specific, to answer your question directly, I don't know specifically anything about that. Yes. So this, this beer, compared to the last one, is more rich and caramelly. Mm -hmm. The last beer was on the tequila ba barrel for about three months. How, much, how long was this one on for? This one's about the same time. This has been, I think, four months on this one. So a little bit longer. Yes. Uh, I just, 
do you blend all the barrels back together in a batch that you're doing, or are, is each barrel bottled specifically, if I heard earlier, that each barrel can be a little different? Um, the beer that we have on the floor right now, the Goza beer, we basically, I had uh, 10 barrels worth in six tequila barrels. Uh, put the, all that back into a fermenter, carved it, and kegged it off of there. Um, the stuff you're having tonight is actually pulled into a keg off the individual barrel itself. It's it's not, none of these are blended beers. Well, the last one's a little bit blended, but well, I'll talk about that in a second. But the, yeah, these are all straight off the barrel, um, carved and, and bottled for this event. All right, uh, let's move on to our last one. This is our, um, our anniversary beer that was brewed for our first anniversary on February 4th. It's called Vero Andy. Vero Andy is one of the fates. All of our all, all of our beers have names of the uh, of the fates, and nobody knows what that means. So why don't you tell? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, perfect. So somebody knows what that means. So uh, we're not named after this, but um, we kind of had other reasons we got our name. Um, but in doing research, we found a really a lot of intriguing stories around people. Uh, origin mythology, so Greek, Roman, Baltic, Germanic, uh, Nordic, in, in that, uh, and we always kind of tell this story when, when you're at our brewery, but um, in ancient days, mythology speaking, they used to say that three women controlled man's fate. And so every woman in the room and every man will still admit that that's true, uh, but uh, the, our, all of our beer... Is, is categorized and named after kind of these origins. So the IPA that Jeff makes, we call Mariah IPA. So that's the Greek name for the three women that determine man's fate. So any hoppy beer that we make after that is named after, it has a Greek name in some cases. And uh, appropriately so, this beer that, the, that we just tried in two different versions was Atropos. So Atropos is one, is the individual's name of the three women that determine man's fate, called the Mirai. Yes. Uh, yes, yeah, absolutely. She was the one uh, really digging into that mythology. Um, the three women, one spun the thread of life, one measured it, and one cut it. And so Atropos actually is the one that snipped off the thread of life. So she determined how long it was and when it ended. Mirai, yep. Not Mariah, but yeah, M-O-I-R-A-I. Oh, yeah, yes. So, uh, really a cool discovery. There's so much, there's so much information about um, all of these fates that determine fates. Yeah. Uh, typically three women. So, sometimes they're portrayed uh, anybody in Clash of the Titans, the old school one. A lot of people have seen that here. So those three women around the cauldron were, were representative of the three fates. That makes sense. So we're drinking Vero Andy, and Vero Andy is which origin? Um, uh, Nordic. Nordic. Um, all right. So uh, Vero Andy actually has an interesting story. Has anybody ever read or did they have the, uh, the IPA book? From, from the Brewers Association. Um, well, anyway, the inspiration for this beer came from Dogfish Head's Burton Baton. 
um, I wanted to do something special, and I, I read up and saw the Burton Baton and how they did it. Um, basically, what it is, it's two different beers. So I made two beers. One, one half of the beer is all Australian hops. The other half of the beer is all New Zealand hops. One half of the beer is aged on fresh charred oak. There's nothing been in it before. And they were blended back together into one beer and put in a bottle. Um, so there's a lot going on with this beer. It's uh, almost 11% ABV, I think, um, somewhere up in there. It's a really high, big beer. Yeah, something you can, something you can lay down for a while and age, um, although the hops are going to go away a little bit. But, um, so it has a lot of tropical, fruity, um, southern hemisphere hops. Um, and it's basically it's an imperial IPA kind of blended with an old ale um, and fresh oak. So this is, this is a version of, of oak that has had nothing on it before. So this is our um, introduction for that. So give it a try, and uh, I'll let Mike talk for a sec. Yeah, and so we used um, smaller barrels on this one. And anybody wanting to do any barrel aging, it's, um, it's, it's really a uh, surface area thing. So when you use smaller barrels, you get more concentrated barrel flavors because there's less volume in those barrels. Um, and so this would be an example of what bourbon barrel is aging. Specifically, it's charred new American oak. It's just, uh, we use five gallon, 10 gallon barrels, 50 liters. Uh, so we use 50 liters on this. Um, and, and I want Jeff to add really quick, because we're almost out of time, but um, Burton is a historical category, which is why it kind of falls in our naming culture of, uh, of Vero Andy. And so right. um, the, the historical nature and maybe Burtonizing the water would be important on this one. Burtonizing the water um, is basically what I do with all our hoppy IPAs. Is basically just adding a lot of minerals, calcium chloride, calcium sulfate, um, calcium carbonate. Just trying to make your water really hard, but um, all those additives really help the, the hops snap, and that's what you know made British pale ales famous is, is their water source. So we're just trying to mimic, mim- mimic that as closely as we can. Um, and also the, the Burt, there's also a Burton Union system um, where they would take a portion of their beer, they would age it on fresh wood, and they'd blend it back together. So um, you know, I took that note from, you know, the Burton Baton um, and um, was just kind of doing that in a different way with some new, newer uh, hops. Yes? So, a few things. One, I think um, I can speak for everyone when I say this is, like, amazing. Uh, <laughs> uh, two, um, the mineral, the mineral, um, we were just talking about the mineral content of the water. I think, mm-hmm. you know, that really... Uh, to me, that speaks to me. Like as a home brewer, I'm sure a lot of people here are home brewers, so that's like a big deal. And then, so two, this is or three, this is a question. Um, in terms of using wood, you know, is there sort of a guideline in terms of surface area to volume that you recommend? Oh boy. Um, <laughs> Sorry for the math question. Yeah, yeah you know, you can you can look, you can Google that one. Um, <laughs> I, I, I've seen them before, but it's basically, it, it has to do with how much oxygen comes through uh, the barrel with the surface area you have. The smaller the barrel, you're going to have, mo- um, what is it? I, you have to look it up, but anyway. Um, I, know, I, know with like, 
I know with, with like sour beers where you're talking about getting acetic acids and things like that. No, I'm oxygen. Even thinking on that oh, okay. Um, so when you use a smaller uh, smaller barrel, though, you're going to get the flavor coming through faster. Yeah. But as far as like oxygen coming through and making your a sour beer more acetic, the bigger the there, there's a it, it's it, it's slower to with the bigger barrel in. But anyway, um, I am definitely no expert on wood uh, beers. Part of that though uh, is I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm learning I'm learning as I go also. So. <laughs> part of that. Come on, I was almost done. Part of that question though <laughs> has a lot to do with uh, just the pace. So when you have a five gallon or a ten gallon. Um, there's a lot of wood surrounding a lot less beer than if you had a uh, 53-gallon. Uh, there's a lot less wood surrounding a lot more beer. And so those interactions, so pace would be one thing alone. So Jeff got really geeky on you guys for a second, which is maybe what you were looking for. But the, the main thing is if, if we put two beers, a Tropos, in a 5-gallon versus a 53-gallon, the 5-gallon would achieve, you know, based on the fact that those barrel properties would be the same, the five-gallon would achieve those flavors a lot faster. So um, a lot of people are into actually aging cocktails or aging spirits, and you see those little one-liter things on a lot of bars. And so that actually is a, is a process that happens in days or weeks versus, you know, if they put that spirit in a 53-gallon former bourbon, that would take a longer time. Um. I'd say slower is easier because um, we can go in every day. We, we drill little stainless steel n- nails through every, all of these barrels. So we will pull the nail and sample it. And, and that's really the, the only, this is the, probably maybe one of the least scientific um, ways to, to finish a beer. But we'll pull that nail and, and, and taste the beer and decide if we want it to keep going or if we want to cut it off. And so I, I, with a smaller, with more interaction with, with the wood, uh, it would be a lot faster. So those things can happen in hours and days versus, you know, right now I think Jeff's pretty comfortable with pulling a nail and, and going several days later with these bigger barrels versus on a smaller one, it, it happens pretty quick. Yeah, I'm, I'm not too worried. The big barrels, you know, I know I have some time with them. So we just kind of get a gauge on we're getting close, we're getting close, and... Then we'll go from there. Yes. Do you um, do any filtering when you move from primary to, into the barrel? Um, let's see. It depends on the beer. I mean, I don't filter all the beers, but I think everything that we put in a barrel has been unfiltered. But it's usually it's fine and racked. So that's a kind of geeky question or uh, answer also. Uh, finding is basically a way to, uh, to drop stuff out, to clarify the beer. Racking is basically a fancy word for saying moved it from here to there. So, um, um, yeah, but the watermelon colch is a filtered beer. Um, so there's really no yeast going on in that. It's basically just going from the wood. Um, but, yeah, that's it. Any other questions? I, I'm going to actually have to cut us off because yeah. we've run out of time. I was told to also say the name of our brewery because I guess we didn't say it, but uh, we are... <laughs> We're Fate Brewing Company out of Boulder, Colorado. We're 14 months old now. Uh, if you happen to be out in the area, please come check us out. So join me in thanking Jeff and Mike uh, for the wonderful presentation.
Thank you very much. And uh, one last note. We talked about our tequila barrel age Goza, and it's not here. So please do go to table nine and give it a try. Thank you for listening to this recording from Savor 2014, brought to you by the Brewers Association and Craft Beer Radio. You can find the rest of the salons from Savor 2014, as well as all of the salons from previous years of Savor, at craftbeerradio.com slash savor or on craftbeer.com. Craft Beer Radio is a weekly beer podcast that you can listen to on iTunes or from our website at craftbeerradio.com. <laughs>